All right. I'm going to welcome you back. We're going to be, we've been in a study in the book of Acts. We're going to take a break today. Since it's friend day, I was going to, we're going to talk about friends. So it's friendology, but you can just call my message friends. That's a little bit easier than friendology. But looking at friendships, but then we'll jump back into uh, Acts. We don't have too many more messages left in Acts. Next Sunday is going to be something along the lines of testify will be the title of the message, testify. But Paul would have the opportunity to testify about his faith in Christ and who Jesus was and to, to some of the most powerful people in the world during his time. I mean, really, Caesar, uh, kings, he would an o- have an audience right before them uh, to share Christ. I mean, how many of us get that opportunity to talk to some of the most powerful people in the world at our time. Not many of us, but Paul had that opportunity, and he did it well. So we're going to talk about that next week. Today we are going to talk about friends, friendship, what it is to be a friend. Amen? Um, some of you have friends, maybe some don't. So uh, I'm just teasing. <laughs> all right. So um, it is good to have you all here, though, today. So let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to dive in here today. Father, we thank you. Um, just for the body of Christ. We thank you for friendships, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here with us. You've promised that as we gather in your name, your your spirit would be present with us. And so, Lord God, make your word come alive to us and challenge us. Uh, Make us into who you called us to be, dear God. And we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So, today we're going to talk about friendship. So, what is a friend? What is a friend? Raise your hand if you want to take a stab at it. What is a friend? What is a friend? Okay, you said you all have some, so. Okay. Somebody you can share experiences with, the highs and the lows. Okay, all right. Okay. Anybody else want to take? Janet. Yeah, there are those friendships, right? I would say one of my better friends up in North Dakota, um, since we left North Dakota, which has been over, um, we left in 2005, no, we left in 2003, so 20 years ago. Um, But there is that one friend that him and his wife, we can sit down and we just pick up where we left off, yeah. Yeah. What else? All right. Chris? All right. Somebody you can count on. Okay. So this is what Webster says. And I don't know. To me, it just seems a little weak and anemic. But it says, one attached to another by affection and esteem. One attached to another by affection or esteem. So that does catch it. I I think it it seems a little bit superficial. But... um, Hebrew and Greek, um, so Old Testament, New Testament, there's a word common for friendship, friends. It's Rhea. Everybody say it, Rhea. Rhea, there you go. Okay, now you know some Hebrew. All right, and it says, a person you know well and regard with affection and trust. A person you know well and regard with affection and trust. To me, that's a little bit better definition. It talks about there's the emotional, there's the affection, but there's also that trust factor, that loyalty uh, that I think is so vital in friendship. Now, the Greek word is philos. Everybody say philos. 
So what word do you know that um, goes with philos? They, they have a football team named after them. They have a football team. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? So also you get that word uh, phileo. Phileo is a takeoff of that. That is what we call brotherly love, and so kind of that friendship love, so philos. And there again, it's that same idea, a person you know, know well in a gar- regard with affection and trust. So friendships can be very informal, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm a friend with them. You know, we know their name. We've talked with them. And we would maybe say they're our friend. Okay, but then friendships go from that kind of a surface level all the way down to those very close, close friends, right, where we can share our heart, um, some of our deepest secrets, whether they're good or bad, dreams, sorrows, victories. You know, dreams are kind of a little bit interesting, aren't they? You can share your dreams, but you really have to be careful who you share your dreams with, right? Sometimes you think they're your friend, and all of a sudden, man, they just, man, they just quash your dream, don't they? It's kind of like, man, I thought they were my friend, right? Or something happy, something good happens for you, and you, you know, Denise catches a big catfish, and she tells her best friend to, and they go, oh, man, I caught a bigger one than that, right? Um, it's kind of like they don't celebrate in your joy, right? I always tell Denise she catches nice catfish. But, but it, it's that idea. Sometimes we don't even rejoice with our friends when they have something good happen to them. Instead, we envy or we, why didn't that happen to me type of deal. Friends are, we, we rejoice in the good times and we also are with them in the difficult times. Okay. Um, so in friendships, I think one of the key factors in friendships is this word trust. How many would agree that it is a key factor in friendships? And what I find is that, um, well, so it's a huge factor, factor. So casual friendships can be numerous, but finding that close friend that we can trust, as Chris mentioned, in the hard times or difficult times, those are a little more hard to find. So friendships, in those friends, we often share similar hobbies sometimes. That's what bonds us together. Maybe there's an activity or hobby that we enjoy doing together. Maybe there's interests, some, somewhat similar to hobbies. Maybe they challenge us. They have our back. They're loyal. Uh, they make life more enjoyable. Those are all characteristics of friendships. Now, sometimes that best friend is our spouse, all right? Sometimes that b- our best friend is our spouse, and I get some. And I hope I hope... Your spouse is your best friend. I hope you marry your best friend. I think that is, um, I think that is preferable. Amen. Um, but we also need friends of the same biological sex. Okay, ones that share our interests and challenges us, and that we enjoy being with and making us a better person. At one of our ministers' gatherings about three years ago, uh, a man that works with. Uh, Uh, It's called Emerge Ministries. They just work with pastors, often with going through difficult things in life. Sometimes it's moral failure. Sometimes it's just uh, marriage issues. Sometimes it's depression and other things. But what he said is one of the best ways to avoid an affair is to have a best friend of the same biological sex that you enjoy doing some of your hobbies with. He says that is so crucial that we have those friendships. Because if we don't have those friendships, then often we go outside our marriage to meet those with somebody of the opposite sex. And he says if you want to protect against that, it is vital that we have those close friendships 
of the same biological sex. For, so for me, it would be having those other guys that I can bond with and do things with. Those are so important because if we don't have that need met there, we're going to look for it in other places. And often it is with somebody that we shouldn't be. Okay? So friendships are very important. Um, and if you are married and you think that your spouse will get all their needs met because they're married to you, you're probably, that is just kind of like a, that's not a true realistic expectation. Can we just put it there? All right. Your spouse will not meet all your needs. All right. All right. Now they're going to meet a lot of your needs, but they're not going to meet all your needs. And so th- there needs to be that flex. You need your friendship within marriage, but you also need those friends outside your marriage. All right. So, so what keeps us from close friendships? Trust. Is that what you said? Yeah. Bingo, you nailed it. Trust. And, and often it's the fear, right, that goes with that. Can I trust that person? And because there's that fear that I, I don't know if I can trust them, often we do not build the relationships and the friendships that we need to be healthy within the body of Christ and just to serve God. Um, what I have found is that when we are younger, this is good to have these younger people here, friendships come a little more naturally. Why? Because we don't have that history of somebody failing us or hurting us, right? But the longer we live, the more we've had friendships that have dissolved or that they've hurt us, right? We we thought they had our back and they didn't. And we're all human. We all make mistakes and sometimes we're the good friend and sometimes we, we fail even as friends, right? We learn in that process. It takes being vulnerable though and I just find out that the older we get, the more isolated that we can become and it's harder to build those relationships. And the more you get entrusted with leadership, the more isolated you become. You know, we sometimes look at people in leadership and we think, oh man, you know, they got it all together and life is good, but it can be very lonely at the top. It can be very lonely at the top because who do you trust? It comes down to that trust factor again. So having said that, are friendships worth the risk? Friendship's worth the risk. I work with ministers in our, in our state. Um, it's the healthy ministers part of our state. And that's one of the things that we really try to push because pastors can be some of the most loneliest people out there. And so are friendships worth the risk? Yes? No? I see, I see some heads nodding there. Yes. All right. So... Let's look at, I got, the, this is more of a topical message. I usually don't do topical. Some, some pastors, that's all they do is topical. I'm more expository. We take a passage to go through it. Today, we're going to do a little more of a topical. So if you're taking notes, here's your first point. Friends make life better. Now, that's pretty broad, but they do. They make life better. How is that, how is that they make life better? Well, Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, 4, 9, and 10, 11, keep going on and we'll refer to them. But in verse 9, he says, two are better than one, right? Because they have a good return for their labor. And there's a lot of studies out there that if two people are working at a job, they're going to get more done than if one person is working by themselves. Now, some of you, I know, think that you can get more done by yourself, right? And we believe that. But two 
are better than one, and often the work is more enjoyable. We've had work days out here, and we usually do it with the men, and we'll have breakfast and work out there. You know, and it's, it's moving rock. It's, you know, kind of just cleaning up things. We do it a couple times a year. You know, I, is there other things I would enjoy doing more? Yeah, probably. I'd be out, like, catching some walleyes or something, Devin, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's work. But when you're with other men and you're fellowshipping, then it makes the work more enjoyable. And it's kind of like it's a time of fellowship. Yeah, we're doing some hard work. I'm sweating, you know, whatever. But it's more enjoyable. And so it talks about not only just a friendship, but of companionship, uh, that verse, just the, the, the importance of it. Solomon points out two people working together get more, are more productive than working alone. In God's wisdom, he's created us for the need for friendship and community. It enriches our life. It compounds our joy. It softens the difficulties of life. Um, it's interesting to note that the Hebrew words for God, especially in the Old Testament, so one of them, and I'm not you know, wanting to throw all this Hebrew and Greek at you, but Elohim, maybe you've heard of that, is one of the words used in the Old Testament for God. But Elohim is, is plural. It's not singular. It's plural. And we know that um, one of the main teachings of, of the church, not just the assemblies of God, but in Protestant Christianity is, is the Trinity, right? We never see that word Trinity mentioned in Scripture. What we do see is we see one God, Three persons, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting that even God, there's that sense of community and relationship, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, how many need alone time? Even from your spouse, right? Amen. <laughs> Otto's not here to defend himself. Um, yeah, we do. But we also need friends. That's why even within Sunday mornings in small groups, and those, those are so important. Do we need to have our own personal walk with God? Absolutely. We absolutely need that. Do we need that corporate setting where we come together as the body of Christ? Absolutely. It's not an either or. It's a both and. We need these times together. Now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll see that he had the 5,000. Five, you know, there was times that he would meet with this, this group on a hillside and teach them, and there was 5,000 there. So he probably knew some of them, but not all of them. They probably all knew his ministry. But it was very superficial. It was 5,000 people, right? That's a lot of people to get to know their names. And then he had the 70. That's mentioned several times in Scripture where there was the 70 disciples that he would be with. So that's a little bit more manageable of a group, right? And he would get to know them and he would teach them. And then he had the, the 12, right? The 12, the ones that he had pointed to be his disciples and to walk with. And I mean, it wasn't just that they showed up on Wednesday night for a class. They lived with him, right? They went down the, the dirt rows of, of Israel from one place to the other. They ate meals together. They did life together. So they learned not only about what he taught them in words, but also they watched his life. So there was the 12, and then there was the, the three, right? Peter, James, and John. They got to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to do a few other things that the other 12, the other nine didn't get to do. There we go. And then there was the one. Who was the one? John. I heard somebody say it. 
John, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how John refers to himself in the Gospel of John, the one that Jesus loved. Um, so different levels of friendships. We need different levels of friendship. We need those, those friends, those guys, those gals that we hang out with, we have coffee with, breakfast with, we talk with. But we also need those one to three friends that we can call in the middle of the night and say, hey, this has happened, right? Those three o'clock in the morning friends. And somebody just asked me about that and you know, it kind of even stretched me. Yeah, there's some people I could call. But even that, that challenges me at times. Who, who would I call? Who do I have that comfort of relationship and that trust and relationship? Somebody that's not going to get mad at me for calling them at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Um, we need those friendships. Growing up, I, 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 uh, there was one friend that was my best friend. Um, his mom and his, and his brother came to the church that I grew up in. It was just a small community, 800 people. Um, somebody got church there that I was raised in, and uh, his name was Jason, and he's, he's still serving God today. He, uh, he's in ministry, he's a life coach, and among other things. But Jason was my best friend growing up. We would go fishing together, and we both kind of lived on the outside of town, just on the edge of town, and so we'd take our BB guns, our bow and arrows, and, and we'd just go hang out. We roamed the countryside. I don't know if my mom even knew, had a clue what I was doing. I came back alive every time. I remember one time falling out of a tree. I don't know. It seemed like up there. It maybe wasn't. Maybe it was that far. But when you fall that far and go flat on your belly, it it will knock the wind out of you. And uh, had that happen a few times. But he was my best friend, you know. And then got into college. We moved to Alaska before that, and in college. But then I got to spend a year with him at college, and then uh, then we kind of went separate. He went to Montana of all places, and then. Uh, but we've had a chance to reunite. So you have those best friends. We'd always get together for the opening day of fishing season. They had seasons back then and, uh, up in North Dakota. So we, that was that, I don't know, first weekend in May, I think it was. We would get together and go camping. Um, one of my favorite memories about that is Royal Rangers. So Royal Rangers was like a Boy Scouts, cr except it was Christian. They taught Christian things. The the woman the lady version of it was missionettes, so Royal Rangers and missionettes. So we did this this Royal Ranger outing out at one of the lakes. It's called Golden Lake. It was outside of Finley, North Dakota, if you want to Google that. It's just a small town. And we set up this pump tent. And I still remember it. It was this green, faded pup tent, okay, canvas, green pup tent, two oak poles that went in the center of it, no floor. It was just right on the grass. Anybody have one remember those? Right? And then you just we put blankets out there. And we, it was a Friday night, and then Saturday we were going to do some stuff. I don't know if I slept at all that night. I, I have no idea. But then we were all excited because we were going to get this rental boat, and we were going to go fishing. So we went and got this rental boat, rowboat, and went fishing. And one thing, the wind came, you know, we got to the other side of the lake, and the wind came up, of course, and then we, we couldn't get back to the store, you know, where we rented the boat from. And somebody had to tow us back in. But those are all good memories, right? And, and things that we went together. There was a lot of different things we got to do and, and uh, participate. Bottom line is that friends make life better. And we all need those friendships in our life. So somebody, I, I know one of you said that you had more than one person invite you today. And uh, that's pretty cool that you had two people that invited you to the service today. And that they care enough about you 
that um, they would invite you here. Friendships make life better. Secondly, friends are essential in times of adversity. So some of you have alluded to that. Friends are essential in times of adversity. So Proverbs 17.17, that's an easy one to remember, 17.17. A friend, what? Loves at sometimes, all times, right? And a brother, and we could probably insert sister there, is born for a time of adversity. See, that's when we really find out who are our friends is when we get into those times of adversity and those difficult times. And when I'm thinking about that, one of the people in, Bi- in the Bible that had one of the most difficult times, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he was serving God, his name was Job. Man, you guys nailed it. And he had friends, right? Yeah, they kind of got with him around the fire and... They told them, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, that's why God is doing this. And, and they were, they, one of the things they did right is that they were, they were there with Job. Okay? They did their best, but they weren't God, and God was just testing Job. Uh, to their credit, they stayed there with him. Um, but sometimes just being there is important as a friend, Right? It's not always what we say, it's our physical presence there with them. So going back to Ecclesiastes 4, we read verse 9. Verse 10 says, if either of them falls down, one of them can pick the other up, but pity the person that falls and no one is there to help them up. And so this, these verses are talking about companionship. Often I'll use these verses when I'm doing a wedding, right? Because it, all, it can very well apply to there, right? But... That is the benefit that you're there to help each other. Sometimes we fall, and they're there to pick us up, and sometimes they fall, and we're there to pick them up, right? If you've been married, you know that there's, you know, maybe one of you gets sick or has to be in the hospital, right? And you kind of take turns, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully you're not both in the hospital at the same time. But in those difficult times, you're there to help each other out until you get healthy and strong again. There is that partnership. Um, at our minister's retreat, which was the end of August, we had a panel for one of the sessions in the morning. And one of our pastor's wives, well, she's, she's a minister herself, uh, was sharing. They lost a teenage daughter in a car accident. And so it had been roughly the, the year that we came to Nebraska, so 2005, um, in the spring. She was up in Omaha, car accident, and she wasn't immediately killed. It was like over 24 hours, and um, and the Lord took her home. But as she shared, we're just trying to get ministers get to that place where it's okay to maybe see a counselor, it's okay to get help type of deal, right? Sometimes we're afraid to, we'll go to the doctor for a bad knee or ankle or whatever else, but when our soul or our emotions aren't where they need to be, we're sometimes reluctant to do that. And, and so she just talked about them going through that grieving process. And uh, you could tell that even though it's 18 years ago, there's still some things that are still very raw and still very fresh. Um, one of the most difficult things a couple will ever have to go through, and I hope never, nobody ever has to, but unfortunately it does, is losing a child. And they did. And, um, and she just shared about that, but she says what really helped them getting through, she says, is just many of you were there for us. And you reached out to us. And she said that made all the difference in the world to know that we had friends that we could count on, that we could rely upon.
you know, you, what do you do when something like that happens? You, you can't reverse anything. You can pray for them. But just being there and that physical presence is so vital and so important. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions will come to ruin. So you can have all these superficial relationships, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, right? Or a sister. They're there for you. I think about David and Jonathan in Scripture. You know, we know about David. He takes on Goliath, right? And before that, he was anointed as king by Samuel, just a young man. He was the youngest of his family. He was out doing the sheep when Samuel gets there and they go through all the, the older brothers and God says, nope, none of these are the one I've chosen to be king. And finally they said, well, the only one that's left is David and he's out shepherding the sheep. They get David and said, he's the one. So he's anointed and then he goes to the battlefield to take food to his brothers. And on that day, Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel, right? And everybody's just shaking in their boots. Nobody wants to face this nine-foot-tall beast of a man, a warrior, had never been defeated. And David hears him taunting the, his God, right? And he sees nobody doing anything about it. And he goes to King Saul and says, I'll take on Goliath. They don't have any armor that fits them. It's all too big takes his sling and his stones, right? He goes out and meets Goliath. He goes, I don't come against you with sword and spear, javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord. He takes out Goliath. Well, there was somebody, wa- a lot of people were watching that day, but there was somebody specifically that was watching that day, and his name was Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. He would be the next king if succession would happen the way it probably was going to happen. Jonathan would be the next king. And he sees what David did that day, and it's like, Immediately, it says that his heart bonded with David. And David would be going to the army. He would lead his own uh, command, and God would give him success. But there was a tight bond between David and Jonathan. But eventually, it had become clear to Saul and even to Jonathan that who had God chosen to be king? It was David. Now, that could have destroyed the relationship between David and Jonathan, right? Because if succession would have played out, it should have been Jonathan's role to be king. But Jonathan, even in his heart, recognized the anointing upon David's life and that he was to be king. Saul did not like that. He did whatever he could eventually to distance David. He didn't even kill him. And at one moment, David says, you know, I, I, I think your father's trying to kill me. And so Jonathan went to his father and he kind of just was feeling him out and kind of got the impression, yeah, I think he, you know, if he has a chance, he's going to take David, kill David. Instead of betraying David, he goes to David and says, yes, you're right. You need to leave. And so David leaves and he'll, he'll spend some time out in the wilderness before God will deal with Saul and he would be made king. And that happens on that day. They face the Philistines and God's hand wasn't against, was against Saul at that point. And so the, the Israelites are, are defeated that day against the Philistines. And not only does Saul fall that day, he's wounded and he takes his own life by falling on his own sword. But who else falls that day? Jonathan. Jonathan. You know, David would then become king. 
And after David would become king, he would serve God faithfully. He would be a man after God's own heart, but he would fail at least three big times. Uh, adultery, murder, a couple other things. He would fail God in a pretty big way. And I often wonder if he was able to ever develop any friendships like that of Jonathan. And if Jonathan would have still been in his life, would there have been a little more accountability? Would there have been a little more friendship that would have kept him in a healthy spot? That he wouldn't have disobeyed God. I would hope so. What's that? Yeah, 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 he did look after Jonathan's son, yes. Yeah, David remained very faithful to Jonathan and his family. Friends make life better. They're essential in times of adversity. Last one. Friends make each other better. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 27, 17, it's in the men's bathroom. I love this verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person or one man sharpens an another, right? And so if I'm sharpening my knives at home and I use a, you use a hard surface, right? And sometimes you use a sharpening steel. So you're sharpening that knife by other metal, right? It seems ironic. It doesn't seem like it would make sense. But that's how you sharpen a knife. And this means in the Hebrew, it means very literally that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the face of his friend. Okay, you're not carving them. How are you sharpening them? You're bringing out the best in your friend. See, a, a good friend, a good spouse is going to bring out the best in you. They're going to recognize your gifts, your talents. They're going to correct you if you need correcting in a loving way, hopefully. All right? And hopefully they don't slap you up the head or yell at you. But you speak truth to one another, and you sharpen one another. You challenge one another, you affirm your gifts and talents, you encourage one another, you pray for one another, you provide accountability. I think accountability is important. Um, you know, I just think about all the friends that I've had since I was young. You know, Jason, uh, we explored a lot of things together. He was just a good friend. And in, I had a small class, so just, I, you know, when I say I grew up in a small school, I had 15 kids in my class, right? That's a small school, right? Uh, I think there was like five girls and the rest of us were guys. Um, and, and not all of them were the best influence, okay? They did drugs, they did alcohol, it was a small town, and Jason was one of the friends that did not. Uh, so he was a good friend. Um, I think of Ray. I knew him in Bible college, and I called him Crazy Ray. He kind of had that nickname for Crazy Ray, and he was crazy. I, I think he was. He he was from he was from you know the kind of the what do you call it, the Appalachian Mountains? Uh, Virginia is where he was from, but he was I think West Virginia. But oh, Ray was crazy. But he liked archery shooting. I liked archery shooting. And we would have these competitions. And I tell you what, I was probably the best archery shooter at that point because we, we would make all these challenges. And he made me better in the area of archery. Um, <laughs> my wife just shakes her head when she thinks of Ray. And then there was Chris. I think Chris uh, just a good friend. He helped me just to be a better pastor, husband, just a good friend. Um, Man, Robert Love, um, he was older than me. He was a mentor to me. Um, he's with the Lord now, but he was just somebody that 
that saw the potential in my life and was always drawing that out of me and encouraging me, challenging me. Um, such a wonderful man. And then, uh, yeah, others that have poured into my life. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wow. Sometimes our f- in friendships, being brutally honest. I mean, we, we maybe have to kind of say it in a nice way, but that is part of the accountability of friendships, that if we're out of line, our friends actually have that right to speak into our life, or our spouse does, right? Um, and we need to welcome that because they're not trying to harm us, they're trying to help us, right? We need those friends. If we don't have friends in our life that can speak truth to us, we need to find some of those friends, okay? That's your challenge today. That is your challenge. We all need friends, because if you don't have somebody in your life that can ask you the hard questions, that can challenge you, to speak truth into you, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. Because we, we, uh, we have blind spots. We all do. Um, one of the friends that I've mentioned here went through a time, he was in ministry, and he had to step away from ministry because he crossed some boundaries. And it, it was somebody I hadn't, he's one of those friends that I could pick up a conversation that I hadn't been in a lot of close contact with. Um, and I wondered if we maybe were in a closer proximity, maybe I could have helped him. Maybe I could, I, you know, I just was too far out of the loop to be somebody that could give him positive feedback. This is what Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. What day is approaching? What day is approaching? His return, right? Jesus is coming for his church, right? And that is why it's so important that we encourage one another all the more as we see that day approaching. Why? Because we can get discouraged. Some of us can lose our way. Have you ever been lost? Yeah. I've been out in the woods sometimes, and I'm pretty good in the woods, but there was one time I I was out there by Olive Creek, and I got totally turned around. I had no idea where I was until I found a road, saw the signs, and I knew where I was at. But we can get lost. We can get disoriented, and life can do that to us. We are not indestructible. We are not... Invincible as sometimes we think we are. We all need those friendships. And so that is why we need to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And to spur one another along. That literally means to spur, okay? So Gary is the only one that I know that has a pair of spurs. And uh, if I'd have been on top of it, I'd have had him wear them today. But there again, it gets to that idea that we are willing to speak into others' lives. We have to earn that right, though, don't we, right? You can't just go into somebody that you casually know and say, hey, you need to get your act together, right? We have to earn that right, develop those friendships, and then we can have the right to speak into people's lives and challenge them. Yolanda, you're up. All right. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, this is John 15, 13, 
Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. That's love, isn't it? You have a friend that would lay down their life for you? Wow. Probably do for a child or one of our own, our spouse. You have a friend that would lay down their life for you? You know, the disciples were more than just students to Jesus. They were individuals who he trusted with his life. And he would trust them to spread the gospel. He'd give them, you know, some pretty uh, challenging things. They would minister together, laugh together, learn together, encounter obstacles together, even encounter death together. And on the cross, Jesus would display just how much he loved them and he loves us because he would lay down his life for them and for us so that our sins could be forgiven and have the hope of heaven and an eternity with him. And I don't want to say this lightly. We sometimes maybe say, oh yeah, you know, Jesus, he's a friend. But Jesus is a friend that will stick closer than a brother or sister. He will rejoice with you when things are going well and you have that woohoo moment, right? He's going to rejoice with you. He's going to strengthen you in the difficult times where it's kind of like, I don't know, man, this, you know, you wake up and it's kind of like already you feel the weight of the day. He'll walk with you through the journey of life. Sometimes, you know, there's tragedy in life, death, those things. Those are part of life, the cycle of life, right? But when it happens to somebody that we love and we care for, he is there to walk with us, right? The journey of life. He experienced those things as well. The cool thing is he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Paul you know, as we've been going through the book of Acts, and he writes this in Second Timothy. He says, hey, he goes, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, you know what? Everybody's deserted me. Wow, Paul? Well, because of his suffering. Some didn't want to be associated because he's in prison. Others left the faith. But Jesus is a friend that sticks close to us, close to brother. So a couple takeaways this morning. Do you have a few close friends that make life better and make you better? If you don't, I, I'm going to challenge you to find those. And I, I, there, there's no uh, microwave recipe. There's no, you know, go to the store and get a box of friendship and stir it together and boom, you have a friendship. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It takes time and it takes risk. I'm just going to say it. It takes risk. Out of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, I think eight, seven would be faithful. No, eight would be faithful. Three would be close friends, Peter, James, and John. One would be very close, John. And one would betray him to the cross, Judas. So will all your friendships work? Probably not. You have to open up yourself. You have to be vulnerable. And maybe some of you have closed that door. So I'm not going to trust anybody. And I'll just say that you all need friendships. I need friendships. You need friendships. We need, we don't need a 5,000 around us. We don't need a 5,000 likes on Facebook, okay? All right? 
lot of them they wouldn't be there if you're going through a difficult time in adversity. But you need one, two, three, four friends that will walk through hell with you if they need to. Amen? Secondly, do you know Jesus as your Savior and your, as your friend? Um, if you're a guest here this morning, um, maybe you know Him as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you know of God. But Scripture is very clear that if we confess our sins and invite Christ into our heart and into our life, He will be our Lord and our Savior. He will forgive us of our sins and we can have the hope of heaven. That is the straight truth. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have the hope of heaven. It's a prayer, but it's also a journey, right? And if you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to encourage you to pray with us here in just a minute. So would you stand this morning? Would you stand? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. I'm going to invite us all to do that. Um, and if, if you are praying that for the first time, um, I'm going to have you look at me afterwards after we're done praying. Um, but let's bow our heads this morning. Just, would you pray with me this morning? Say, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that for the first time or just rededicated your life, would you just look at me? I'm going to scan the crowd. But if that was you this morning, I just want to know. Amen. Just look at me. Give me a good eye contact. All right. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And Father, this morning, I pray you'd be with each of us here, Lord. Even Jesus had friends. He needed friendship. And I know at times the weight of the world was resting upon him, especially on that night he would be betrayed and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they went there and they, in some ways they failed because they fell asleep at, at one of the most crucial moments in the life of Jesus where he was sweating like drops of blood. And they couldn't keep their eyelids open. It's not that they were being disloyal it's just that they were human but even Jesus needed the strength of his friends of those closest to him to help him in that darkest hour and Lord God we all need that as well and Lord God if if we're in a place where we just we need some friends in our lives some of those close friends that'll help us grow spiritually and help us grow professionally and that will uh, just be there for us Lord God I pray that you grant us wisdom and guide us in that and it is risky and I know there's fear there, Lord God, but help us develop those good friends that are good for us spiritually, that challenge us to be to love God more, to serve Him better, that develop our skills and talents, that recognize the gift of God within us, Lord God. Lord, give us those friends, I pray. To the youth group with our boys and stuff. Father, we thank you that you are a friend. We thank you for the friends that we have here today. Father, bless our fellowship afterwards. Be with us this week. Let us be salt and light in our world, Lord God. 
Uh, we give you the thanks. We ask in your precious and wonderful name. And everybody said, hey, God bless you this morning. Hang around for some coffee and cookies and uh, just fellowship with one another. God bless you this morning.